six. Episode six, everyone. Hey, it's been a while. Yes, too long. Too long. It's been too long. It's been too long. So, but so we're back. We're back. We're here in 2017. We're really new year. Yeah, we took a little holiday hiatus, as they say. Reconnected with the with the fams. So uh, we yeah. actually we have um we have an awesome show uh, today. Like we have uh, Margarita Noriega, the executive editor of Newsweek, and uh, discussing the Internet Review Book, where she reviewed the Internet of 2016. But first. We got Chris and Ken. Chris Iller and Ken Prouse, uh, they discussed their viral video, 2.30 at a 7-Eleven near Disney World. Yeah, this is a, a classic of YouTube. Classic, um, a YouTube chestnut, if yeah, you will. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an incredible video that has been like exhumed from obscurity. It was this guy had recorded it in like 1987 at 2.30 in the morning at a 7-Eleven in Orlando, yeah. Florida. So we got to catch up with the creators, so it's going to be a real treat yeah. for us and uh, for our fans. Hi, how you doing? How you doing? We're filming people in the 7-Eleven this evening. Hey. Are you coming in for perhaps a big gulp? Chris has got to make a decision between, what do we have, ma'am? Orange and cola. Orange and cola. Chris? The orange. The orange. The orange. He's going for the orange. Perhaps if we get a close-up look, we can find out the secret ingredients that makes this Slurpee a 7-Eleven Slurpee. There you the go. The freedom. The freedom. What is this? Can I get a close-up on this? What? Wait. Cheese Danish. So what brings you to the 7-Eleven late at night? Ah. Your turn. Ah, We're from Orlando. Welcome, welcome to Florida. Okay. Are you going to Disney? It's one of my favorite videos on the internet, and um, it's just such an awesome opportunity to get to talk to you guys. About, oh, just a glimpse at a moment in time. It, it's just like a um, like a time capsule, like set on film, pretty much, right? <laughs> on video, we, we were too poor to actually afford film. <laughs> an old um, film and video joke there. <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading Chris's uh, blog post about just sort of like the backstory um, about the video and um, how you guys both were part of the Disney internship program. Is that how, what brought Chris you guys? Was. Chris was, okay. Chris was involved with Disney quite a bit. I was just a, a freeloader hanging around to get free uh, Slurpees and stuff when we went to the 7-Eleven. Yeah, I went to college at University of Central Florida, which is not too far from Disney, and that's where I met Ken. He was, uh, we were kind of in a theater group together, did some activities there. And I, I worked at Disney on weekends and holidays and things like that. So I had a bunch of friends there and we were attending one of the parties at the co the college internship kind of housing apartment complex where they housed them all. And we, we left one of those and across the street was the 7-Eleven. So we stopped by there before we went on to our next stop type of thing. We were, we were just uh, guys without dates running around town with a video camera. <laughs> so, now that I think about it. We probably didn't have dates because we were running around town with a video camera. <laughs> now, um, I, I'm trying. It's funny because, like, the video, it's almost like everybody's like a character. You know what I mean? There's like the French girl, there's the popped collar guy, there's yeah. your, your friend Jim, who is also yeah. there, right? It, 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 it yeah. Does, it does kind of play like a like a, you're watching a, a play somewhere that's supposed to you know, emulate the 80s because the people would just come and go. And every time we were just about burned out on one character, the next uh, character came in, you know, the guy that wants to buy a bag of sugar at 2.30 in the morning. I, I still don't know what that guy's up to. Um, 
And it, and it seemed like they were on cue. It was like they were waiting outside. Okay, go now. And then they entered it right when we needed them to. Yeah. Everybody was really willing to play along except for the guy right at the very end who didn't seem to be uh, too keen on having his uh, image captured on, on the video. But uh, it was a, a good uh, kind of a video essay of what the 80s were like. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a continuous shot film, like like Rope. Like it feels like <laughs> Rope for the well, 80s generation. I, I like the, uh, the Hitchcock reference there. Well played. Yeah. Um, uh, so we, what's didn't, we didn't have what's to make any edits by zooming into something black and making a cut and start back up. Yeah. It was just one uh, endless uh, stream of uh, strange people shopping at the middle of the night. <laughs> the only thing we did Hitchcock-wise is I made a cameo uh, showing up in a, the rearview mirror carried by uh, somebody so that I could, uh, you know, appear in my uh, my film that I was recording. Yeah, so which is a great that shot. That was a nod to Hitchcock as well. Well, I didn't realize that we really did recreate rope there. Uh, <laughs> there was actually somebody dead and buried in the uh, the, uh, the van. Yeah, in the back of the van. I think behind the counter, probably. Uh, but uh, yep, it was uh, an odd thing. And I actually we recorded that in the '80s. I forgot pretty much all about it. So Chris posted it on uh, the internet, and then it sat there for I don't know a decade with nobody caring. And suddenly someone discovered it, and all heck broke loose. And you know, I don't want to kid ourselves. The video is kind of fun. It does capture the 80s, but I do believe the French girl is one of the main reasons why it's popular. It seems like a large portion of the viewers want to watch because there's an attractive French girl carrying around a rearview mirror from her car for some some odd reason. Was that and ever the explained? Of why she was carrying a mirror is, is is interesting. Yeah. What? Yeah. What's the story behind the the mirror? I, I can't remember it. I, I remember they told me at the time because I think I asked after I met up with them again. But I think it just fell off, and she—I think she was saying she needed to get some glue that worked, and it was translating like "We need to rule the world" or something, or "You lost the world." Or, <laughs> it was probably me at 2 a.m. in the morning having an inability to actually understand what people were saying. Uh, but yeah, I think she was just trying to fix the uh, the mirror. Now, why it fell off in the car, I don't know, but you know. Those uh, those friends, they're wacky. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had another question. So, since the um, the video went viral, like I mean, I'm sure you guys saw a lot of the comments, like on Reddit, um, about how wow, America was so different, like in in the '80s. Like everybody's really friendly. Like you know, I'm a friendly guy, and I still strike up conversations with people everywhere I go. And I think people are still friendly. It's just if I whipped out a, a camera or a phone to record them. Of course, they're going to, you know, wave a kind of a red flag now because people nowadays know that if they're being recorded, it can go viral, it can go on the Internet. Um, you know, even uh, people like I, I'm a school teacher, and uh, I know people these days, ever since phones started coming to school, teachers have to act completely different because you never know when a kid's going to, you know, start recording you to, to post somewhere. So I think, uh, you know, part of it was just the excitement of seeing a, you know, those video cameras are pretty large back in the day. When you walked into the store and you saw a camera, some people just want to perform because they want to be on, you know, they didn't know if we were from a yeah. television station or a whatever. These days, you you know, start recording someone, they, they may want to, you know, punch you out because they don't know what you're up to. I think it was still a, a new enough of a novelty, even though being at Disney World, we saw tons of people with those types of cameras. It was still new enough. Uh, if you didn't see it in a tourist setting, such as a 7-Eleven gas station, it still seemed as a novelty. That combined with Ken's kind of improv, comedic jokes going on at the same time, just kind of in, in the late night hour, 
uh, just kind of made for a fun environment. I, I honestly think that could be re recreated today. There's still nice and funny people out there. It's not jaded wherever you go, but I just think that because cameras are so common these days, that might be a little bit of a hindrance, but I still think that there, there's still people that appreciate a good sense of humor and somebody that's outgoing talking to them and just having fun when uh, at a late night hour too. So. We had a question. Well, one of our one of our favorite parts of the video is the the slurpy scene uh, where <laughs> where you notice that the big glurp or big gulp, sorry, is um, big glurp. The big glurp. The big <laughs> yeah, gulp yeah. is a lot cheaper than than the big gulp than like the littler the smaller size uh, drinks. Uh, Darian asked. Uh, did you feel good about choosing the orange <laughs> drink? Yeah, that was, a, I was curious. Like, did you, I mean, that is so you know. That's Chris's biggest regret, even as a 50-year-old. He still looks back at that, that moment as a seminal moment in his life, and who knows where he could be now. If, uh, he could be in your position interviewing people if he had only chosen a different flavor. Uh, <laughs> the orange timeline. <laughs> The we, darkest timeline could have been the cola version. I don't know. We yeah, captured that, that crossroads in your life on video. I can't know. Oddly, that the big gulp even today is still at the 7-Eleven. I think it's the same price. It's 69 cents yeah. here. Um, that always baffled me. Even back in the 80s when I was a kid buying, uh, I remember going into a 7-Eleven once, and the uh, bottles of soda were like 29 cents, plus you paid your $10 deposit. So I assumed, well, I'm going to get the smaller bottle because that will be like, 15 cents and then it was like 40 cents and I couldn't understand why they were selling the bigger ones cheaper so it it just it must be a 7-eleven thing those numbers you put numbers in the name of your your company and maybe you, you don't understand how that actually numbers actually work I guess I don't know where does the missing 10 cents go I don't know where it goes <laughs> <laughs> um so uh I, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, so like since the video, I guess, like, I mean, has how is the video's virality like? Has it changed your life any? Like, I mean, like, um, I mean, I noticed that you said that like there's been different like video licensing companies that have tried to get the rights to it. Um, I mean, like, have have people from your past like, I mean, besides the people in the video, like, reached out to you, like people that were that worked with you, or or were your friends from Orlando? Like, have they, like, did the video like sort of act as kind of like a <laughs> like a, a galvanizer yeah like oh these guys are still still around like or oh you know what i mean just it would jog people's memories about you guys no the strange thing is i get looking at the comments it seems like everyone who watched it to me was someone i didn't know when i tried to tell people hey i have a viral video guys check it out my friends didn't seem that interested but yet they would get you know uh close to two million i think now views so for me, uh, I'm not sure how many people, of course, I'm actually not in it so much, and I don't know if my name's anywhere there. So there could be people that I know, like my next-door neighbor could have watched this video and not know it's me because, you know, I only appear slightly for a moment. Um, Chris, your face is all over it, so you probably have a different reaction. Yeah, I, I did get a few people that contacted me and said, hey, is this you? Uh, I just saw your video. One of the more funny stories is uh, I work in the TV business now. I work at different local TV stations around the country, and I'm currently based in uh, um, Minneapolis, and uh, I was interviewing uh, for somebody to work for me as my new uh, television producer, uh, shooting and editing video. And he, the night before I was scheduled to have him come in and do the formal interview for the job, he looked up my background to see who I was, 
and saw that I was the guy who did that video, and he had just watched it uh, a few weeks earlier, and he was like blown away. Like the whole interview, he wanted to ask me questions about this video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. Like, like, uh, do you guys plan on doing another one? Uh, well, I saw that you guys had the follow-up like a couple of years ago, where you went back we to did, the but we're, we're, we were older now, and we only went there about 10:30 at night, so it didn't have the same effect as the. Uh, Two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we probably should have done a late night version. And, uh, we were talking about maybe doing since I'm down here in Florida again for a little vacation. We were talking about maybe doing it this time around, but we don't know. We'll see. Well, we're, I think we're like, still old now. Na but Disney now, World nowadays we 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 still don't have girlfriends, but we have wives, so we we have to get out of the house at two in the morning, which is a, a little trickier. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak to you. Do you have a girlfriend and a wife? I wasn't sure. Well, well, I mean, guys, it's been it's been such a pleasure to talk yeah. to you guys and just sort of revisit just that really magical. I mean, magic happened in that video, and yeah. and it's I it was definitely a magic like, night in America. It was a magic <laughs> night in America. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, Ken and Chris, thanks again for for talking with us. Thanks, guys. Our pleasure. Thanks for watching it. Have a good one. Back. Hey, we're back. Yes, thank, and, you, thank uh, you for sticking through that uh, commercial break. <laughs> uh, we we'd like to um, revisit a fan fave segment. It's prob yeah. prob v woke. Yeah, we're jumping right back in with a little problematic or woke, and we have a great lineup of uh, topics today. Hot topics that have been uh, yeah. burning up the internet. So uh, let's talk about Meitu. Um, Meitu yes. is a a Snapchat filter that gives your face this like angelic, like baby doll look. Um, it makes everybody look beautiful. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's the first time I've felt beautiful in weeks. <laughs> uh... um, hugely popular in China, and it's just all of a sudden become been picking up in in the U.S. And yeah, this is the hottest uh, app right now. It's the hottest. It's the hottest app. One of the hottest apps <laughs> on the Apple Store. And um, what do you think, Darian? Do you, like, I mean, do you do you use you've used it before, and like, I think it's great. I mean, come in, you know. So sort of more of um, they uh, picking up on uh, the standard of beauty in um, uh, Eastern countries like China and South Korea and Japan. So like pale skin, large like, eyes, large eyes, <laughs> elfin. Like ears, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, it's kind of. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Not fun. for everybody. Maybe not for everybody. Yeah. But uh, you know, like a lot of people are having fun with it. You know, Newt, putting it on Newt Gingrich's face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Some people, like, yeah, like our boys. <laughs> all the leaders, they, you know, it's making kind of, you know, dolling them up a little bit. Yeah, right in time for the inaug. <laughs> Gotta freshen up. Yeah, like, uh, do you, but you think that it's it, it's a good thing? It's like I know there's been some like um, some websites have uh, criticized it uh, for appropriating um, 
like you don't know, like the West coming and Christopher Columbusing, um, you know. <laughs> I mean, apps. I don't want to be a snowflake about it. <laughs> um, what would Tommy Laren say? Would she? Would she approve? Uh, this I can't wait to find out. But I'm gonna say W W T L S S. Yeah. <laughs> what would Tommy Laren say? Yeah. Well, well, we'll keep you posted on that. But uh, yeah, I think it's woke. I think it's a harmless app, and uh, you guys should check it out. It's called. It- M-E-I-T-U is uh, how it's spelled. Me too. So what do you think, James? Woke? <laughs> Woke? Uh, I'm not exactly the primary demographic of the app. Or maybe I am. I don't know. Like, I mean, do you think yeah. that, like, do I you think it's going right. to go beyond, like, tweens and, like, uh, I don't know. Like, do you think it'll, it'll reach, like, uh, <laughs> elderly millennials? We've, we've decided this that this... That probably woke question we posed, we can't answer. So, um, <laughs> Pass. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to say it's woke for now. It's fine. Until it just completely gets, yeah. like, so, like, <laughs> beaten to death. Yeah, my mom's going to do it. And Mom, uh, why? Mom, no. It's going to get Pokemon Goad. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, okay, so on to our next topic. Um, oh, my God. So um, while we were gone, um, Teen Vogue has blown up. Like, yeah. it has become, like, the... They're like the new New York Times. They're like the new. They're the new like. I canceled know. my subscription. <laughs> I'm in. Teen Get Vogue. Teen Vogue now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've actually been doing some really like quality um, journalism. Um, and uh, Lauren Duca, who is a writer, um, he was the weekend editor at uh, Teen Vogue, wrote this uh, really compelling. Article about how, like, uh, arguing the gaslighting, that, piece. arguing that Donald it. Trump. We all read it. Yeah. That Donald Trump was gaslighting America. And, and um, so, um, Jezebel wrote this piece that's if if you're shocked, Teen Vogue is great. You're not paying attention. Sort of talks about all the great coverage they've done. And um, yeah, because they recently um, hired a new editor in chief. Um, yeah. Who's a um, woman of color? I believe it's Elaine Welteroth. Um, was uh, she? She was uh, promoted from, she was originally the beauty and health director to editor yeah. of the magazine, and she is the magazine's first black top editor, and uh, actually one of the few um, top black editors at Condé Nast Publications. Yeah. I think if, if originally this article said she was the only one, and then they... Okay, it's like they kind of... Um, yeah. But regardless, I mean, uh, Teen Vogue's been writing these really nice, easily digestible stories that I think are, are aimed at... Uh, Teens who are on the go and want their news quick, but but regardless, the reporting's been really solid. So woke to Team Vogue. I would say that like I feel like um, too often like a lot of I know that like when they started doing uh, more political, I mean I guess they've been doing political articles before, but when when Lauren Duca's article went viral, a lot of uh, editors were saying like a beauty magazine is doing politics now, like they were like. Kind of. You mean like Tucker Carlson was like that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, right. Well, not stupid. just him, but like a lot of. But even like um, there or were like Playboy. I don't know. Like whatever. In journalism, you can like. Why would you criticize a publication for like pushing itself to cover more serious topics? And I think that teens, um, you know, are they can do they can be interested in a lot of things. They can be interested in beauty, fashion, and politics. They're not just like relegated to one. <laughs> yeah. I'm only interested in boys. Yeah. It's and... not the 50s. Uh, <laughs> anything can happen. Right. So I think that um, it's condescending to say that like Teen Vogue should stick to 
um, fashion and beauty topics. Cause yeah, that sounds pretty sexy. Especially when, like, there's a lot of things happening in um, current events that are threatening yeah. a lot of, like, I mean, what was the news today? That, like, there's, like, mm-hmm. the, sorry, that, like... <laughs> So, I, don't, I, I want to keep it light on the yeah, podcast, yeah. but like, yeah, I think there's been a lot of like uh, things that are relevant to young women. Yeah, I would say that, so. I would say so. Like maybe funding is being jeopardized for things that would help them, um, and so I think that te- kudos to Teen Vogue for being raise, for being woke and raising these topics, yes. and and also Lauren Duca because she's awesome and yeah, she's so hot right now. Like she like. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she has an MSNBC show by the end of the year. Yeah, so... Uh, well, Taking, taken to task with Lauren Duca, like, on at the same time as, as Tucker Carlson. <laughs> the point is, that, you know, it's really important for journalists to stay on the ground. Obviously, yeah. Lauren Duca is a good example of that, so thanks. Thanks, and Lauren, and I hope... You're always welcome on our show. <laughs> uh, we know that you have your own show too, and yeah, so like, maybe we'll, we'll like, uh, you know, we'll come to you. You'll yeah, come to I mean, us. yeah, like I mean, the invitation's open both ways. Hopefully, I don't yes. know, whatever. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we just invited ourselves and everybody. So uh, hey, wait, woke to Lauren Duca and uh, Teen Vogue. So next so, up, next up on the show, right uh, down the docket we go. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg next president. Zuck for press. <laughs> Um, so, if you guys hadn't been paying attention uh, of late, uh, Mark Zuckerberg announced he was going to visit every state in the country, and he's been writing these like really um, lofty Facebook statuses. <laughs> yeah, and like calling people folks. Calling people folks. Um, Meeting with teachers. <laughs> so, um, uh, Twitter user Alex Kanterwitz, uh, who's a reporter at BuzzFeed, uh, science technology reporter, he, he posted some of these screenshots about, about uh, from Mark talking about all these, this like life-changing sort of traveling he's been doing across our great states, and uh, it just seems like he's going to run for president. He's, he will be old enough to run for president, um, like in 2020, I believe he'll be 36, so that just meets the threat, I mean you have to be... Born in the U.S., 35, and what else? And was that it? Was that it? <laughs> that's literally uh, it. Like, uh, and you could even be a felon and run, yeah. right? Is that right? Yeah. So, I, I mean... I mean... I believe. Look, anyone can win. <laughs> I mean, if anything is, like, taught us, is that, like, I mean, um, don't be surprised by anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that this yeah. is, like, I mean, uh, what, what's your feelings about this, Darian, about Mark Zuckerberg possibly running for... Uh, for the presidency. I, mean, I just think this take is really funny because there's these really like it's it's just very transparent. No, it's it sort of it's like funny how fast doing. Twitter goes. It's like you know what I mean. Like somebody notices something on Twitter, and then all of a sudden it becomes like yeah. article on like the Atlantic. The yeah. Atlantic is like you know, so the GQ. It, they've done they've or Vanity Fair. Sorry, they've all done yeah um, thought pieces about, about Mark Zuckerberg. What, will he? Won't he? I mean, these photos are really funny. You know, there's him meeting like with a teacher, like a, a PTA board, like like him in this like cafe in in Texas, like all these really home, like down home posts. Uh, he posted a status saying he was listening to the folks in the town of West. <laughs> uh, all this, all these quotes about. He also hired, um, I think, Obama's uh, previous campaign manager, who used to, used to work at Uber. 
Did you catch that part of the oh, <laughs> of the Mark Zuckerberg saga? David Pluff, he he hired David Pluff um, as part of the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative to lead policy and advocacy. So oh, if <laughs> so, it's more than just like joking around on Facebook. It it, it looks highly plausible that he's laying the groundwork down for a presidential run. Um, Nick Bilton at um, Vanity Fair makes the argument that it seems more plausible that he'd run in 2024. Um, but okay, so let's just talk about Mark Zuckerberg as like, you know, as a president. Like, I mean, like, in, or just being as a, a public figure, like, does he have the charisma of like previous elected like officials? <laughs> Is he more charismatic than Marco Rubio? He'll probably like write all his... Uh... Like his policies on the window pane in the Oval Office. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just funny to think about. Hey, and we're back. Yes. Thank you guys for going with this on this journey. I'm glad the internet like kind of keeps our mind off of like everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. Or does it? Yeah, Twitter's <laughs> such a good escape. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you escape, Darian. I mean, like, I'm just like, I don't know, like, YouTube. Just like, close my eyes. 2006 uh, YouTube viral videos, like the... Yeah, Fail Army. Uh, the uh, Charlie the Unicorn. Or um, the Diet Coke with Mentos, like yeah. best of. Yeah. You know? Just like um, iTunes visualizers. Oh my gosh. That's Those are actually, great. oh man. But I always thought that the Microsoft, like, uh, do you ever have like the a Microsoft PC? one was more vivid? I feel, but the I feel Apple like I was ones, really tripping out. Like, the with Apple the ones were more one. innovative. Yeah. I got, did you ever use Winamp? Do you ever mm. Winamp? Is that before your time? Mm, I really have to delve into my mind. You know, mm. like when you back in the day, do you have Kazaa or mm. like any of those? I had WinMX, then I oh, used... Oh, WinMX was so good. Yeah, I, that's OG. And I then I yeah. then I went straight to LimeWire, then I went to FrostWire. So you never experienced Napster. I did not experience Napster. Oh, man. It's definitely like, I guess like if you're an elderly millennial, you remember how good you had it, you know? Yeah, because I was in the trenches... For a while, like, I was definitely was... downloading some very bad files. Like, I remember I downloaded Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, and, like, the intro was, like, chopped up a little, and I thought that was how the song was for a long time. And so when you heard the real version, you were like, where's the little chopped up, yeah. like, intro? Like, I've never heard that one lyric before. <laughs> like, that's in the song? It actually was really weird for me. Um, it was a struggle for a lot of people in the, the early days. And speaking of struggles, 2016, what a crazy year. Oh, uh, boy. Luckily, it's been chronicled. Uh, Margarita Noriega, who's our next guest. She's the executive editor of Newsweek, and she is fantastic. She's one of the best people to follow on Twitter. And uh, she's, she's a writer. <laughs> she's an editor, and she's fabulous. Yeah. We're very happy to have her, and... Um, she she uh, we have she has put together this all star cast of of a who's who of people on the internet in media with, in media and to, to create this physical book uh, chronicling the trends and uh, people of 2016. So, yeah. so some of the submitters were Josh Gondelman, Seinfeld 2000. 2000. She she had over a hundred submissions. She narrowed it down to 38. She met her goal on uh, on, on Kickstarter, Kickstarter and. Uh, which is always good. You've got to meet the goal. Got to meet the goal. Yes, the and book is called Internet Review, 
And uh, with us now is Margarita Noriega. Hey, Margarita. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Margarita. All right. Thank you for taking time like, out of your busy schedule to talk to us. First of all, we wanted to start off by saying congratulations. Yeah, thank congrats you. on, on, your, on uh, that review. I mean, the, uh, the Kickstarter was a huge success. Thirdly, so. Yeah, like, and you would only, like, your goal was 3,500 for yeah, internet review. Yeah, so that would have, so the 3,500, um, it's funny, I've become, like, like, a new fan in, like, like, simple accounting skills in the past month, or, like, three, I should say, just because, um, you know, it, I think, like, one of the most important parts of Kickstarter is just to have your math right, right, just to, to know exactly where your costs are going. So the 3,500 was the thing that I needed to hit to make sure um, 50 contributors got a free book. I was able to pay them $50 each, right? Um, and I was able to print probably about 70 to 100 copies. So that was the 3500 So anything above that is just me selling, you know, new copies of the book and getting new contributors and paying for the, the costs, um, associated with producing like pins and I'm making a sweater with the, the book cover on it so there, there are a lot yeah. of other new swag things that are going along with it so it's really exciting to like expand it beyond like just printing like a hundred books um, it's, it's great yeah that's great it seems like the excitement was really there so now you get to sort of ride that wave which is great um, we were curious about what inspired you initially to um, to start this this project. Like, what was the uh, um, was there the origin story? Yeah. Was there a meme that like that broke the that was there like a last meme that that you were like, this is now I have to do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like I actually wanted to do. I actually worked so a like I've worked with a couple of other people who have done anthologies. And, and their own, like, independent print work. Um, and I also have friends who have just, you know, been able to print. They've been, they've worked with independent publishers, and they've printed their own books on their own time. And so I've always been around, you know, independent print um, in, like, a very loose sense, the way we all are. Um, and I've always been fascinated in, in printing. Uh, so I, I guess the inspiration would be that. and then. Um, the, the for the internet review um, angle, just like understanding, taking a step back from the internet and talking about the internet without necessarily mentioning it, but really just, you know, being aware of how the internet changes our lives and the way um, we interact with it. Um, that inspiration came, I would say, um, last year when I was looking at how um, um, LGBTQ persons would often, um, you know, tweet about their experiences and women would tweet about, um, you know, sexual assault or um, harassment. And anytime you gave something attention, whether or not it, it um, needed to have that attention or whether or not it was a good idea to have that attention, things would get crazy super quickly. So like if a woman, you know, tweets um, or, or if a man tweets like, you know, I was, I was sexually assaulted you know, um, you know, last year or I was sexually assaulted this year. Um, very quickly it can get out of hand. And um, I was just sort of stunned and fascinated. This has been going on, I think, for a couple of years on Twitter. I think there's maybe gotten a little, little out of hand the past couple of years, one can say. 
So, um, you know, last year I think this really started, people started talking about it. And do you guys know what Femsplate is? Yeah, with uh, Amber. Amber's a women-focused yeah, yeah. uh, news site, right? Exactly. It's, it's, it's all about um, understanding, like, the personal in the political. So it's very, per it's, it's, you know, first-person, usually first-person essays about politics, about, about um, health. Um, so, I, you know, like, I think Amber was sort of, like, really smart about um, – about wanting to make a space for, for women to openly say, you know, like, I hate Twitter. It was like, you know, taking it, taking it off, off Twitter a little bit. And so I think, like, it's very similar to that in the sense that, like, I'm just taking it, I'm taking something, a conversation that I'm seeing happen um, with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every day, um, if not millions of people on Twitter every day, um, on, on Facebook, on my Facebook feed, and, and re- Reanalyzing it, looking at it through a new lens, which is how do we how do we actually find value in um, not just like the things that happen to us personally, right? Because that's that's we can do that, but but how do we how do we find value in the news? Um, how do we find value in the things that are happening this year without them getting crazy? So like it's not just about like you know tweeting about harassment because I I don't know if that fixes anything. I don't know if tweeting about how tweeting is bad is a good thing. I don't know if it changes anything. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So like it's, it's nice to talk to... talk about the internet without being on the internet. It's sort of mm -hmm. like is refreshing without all the Twitter eggs just like, you know, yeah, trolling people, you know, without real re repercussion. I mean, I don't know, like it sort of makes it more of an intrinsic conversation instead of one that can like spiral out of control. There's a really great list of contributors. I mean, we're taught we have people like Seinfeld 2000, uh, Warren Duke, Kreisman, uh, uh Darth, <laughs> the ever yeah. enigmatic Darth. Um, now, have you met all of these people? Like, how how did this, was this all uh, through Twitter relationships that you were able to get all these people together? Like, how how were you able to get such an all-star cast mm -hmm. of, um, of uh, the internet uh, media elites together for this book? Yeah, I, 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 um... It's, I would say I probably know, like personally know about half of the contributors from a variety of different things. And I myself um, have lived in New York or, or D.C. for the past, you know, for, for the past 10 years. So a, a lot of these folks are from the East Coast. Um, some of them live in D.C. Some of them live, many, many people live in New York. So um, pers personally, I know a lot of these folks because I like their work and they, sometimes they like my work. So um, as an editor, you know, I, I, I know a, a lot of writers in New York. So that's, that's I would say about half of it. And then the other half of it um, is I, I wanted the contributors to, um, to help me find the right balance of um, a voice for the book. So I asked, um, I, I have asked some of the contributors to recommend people. So, um, for example, um, Andy Dubbin, who um, drew the cover illustration um, of um, an androgynous creative um, recording a garbage fire on spectacles. Um, I asked him if he he had ideas for for who else could be in the book because I have worked with Andy before. Andy Andy was um, Fusion's cartoonist for for I think at least two years. Um, 
and um, I met him when I when I worked at Fusion. Um, so Andy recommended Sandra Allen, who um, Sandra used to and, and built the um, books vertical for Buzzfeed. So in this, um, uh, Sandra wrote um, about Samantha Bee for the book about the power of Samantha Bee and sort of like the rise of Samantha Bee um, post-Daily Show. Um, and to me, that's that's the perfect um, person to write something like that because um, Sandra probably knows far more than I do about um, about the show and about um, TV in general because I don't have a TV. I don't really watch TV. So, um, so it came a little bit through connections and connections, came through friends, and the rest of it is um, a little bit open. I, I have known um I have known Seinfeld two thousands um owner and, and Darth's owner, the, the, the owners of those accounts for, oh, for a couple of wow. years. Now. Like, um like you've met them like, in person or you just on the internet? Oh no, I I haven't met them. Um oh, okay. but I, I know of yeah, I No one's met them. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I still remain sort of a mystery, a bit, which yeah. is kind of fun about the internet that there's still, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it is nice. I mean, I'm also like typical, you know, typical writer style, typical writer fashion. I'm I'm obsessed with great personality. So like, um, so when I see someone do something like Seinfeld 2000, I'm I'm in I'm already in love because. <laughs> It's like a story. It's a it's a story I can I can I can think about that I've never thought about before. Um, so yeah, I'm really what what Seinfeld 2000 wrote for the book is it's amazing. Um, he wrote about um, uh, the movie B. Um, B movie which was yeah 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 B movie. Thank you. Um, it's been so long. It's it's going to be the 10th anniversary of B movie in 2017. And so, um, wrote, wrote about um, what Jerry Seinfeld can do to prepare for the 10th anniversary of the movie, and it's hilarious. <laughs> That's great. That's really sort of been like one of the breakthrough memes of uh, I think 2016, right? It was like the B movie, but every time B is said, like the, it speeds it, up. It speeds you know, up it's or, classic. <laughs> I just feel like there's been different, you know, re- reiterations of that. <laughs> Hopefully that'll translate to book form. Like you have to read faster every time. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to figure out how to. Um, but um, no, that's uh, so. You would say that the book takes a pretty hopeful turn. I mean, because I guess um, you know, two, 2016 has been a bit of a downer year for a lot of people. And would you say that like um, you try to find? I mean, I guess with the Zika one, you found like sort of poignant. Um, message in there yeah. um like what do you think it's 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 uh stays on the brighter side like overall um i mean it's a so it's a typical art book in the sense that like most like art if, if you look at like art in america or you know you look at like bomb magazine for example or look at like um interview interview magazine like archival you know you, you look at like issues of those from like 15 years ago um it's the it's pretty it, it's pretty um what do i want to say like it's sort of above it's above it's it's not even like a 20,000 foot level which is so it's such a corporate phrase to use but like it's it's above that it's it's almost like removed um so i would say 
the book is sort of removed from the internet, both physically and the, the overall mood of it. So what it's sort of like, you know, reading an art book about um, Leonardo da Vinci's like greatest works. It's like you're not really looking at the art. Um, you're thinking about it. So I don't want people to really look at Harambe, right? It's not like I don't want people to like sit there and stare at a picture of Harambe or like really like, you know, invest an hour and a half in thinking about Harambe. It's more about the thought process. So to me, it's like the mood is experiential. It's what, what people will bring. I think some people, because there are some dark parts in the book. I mean, it's been a very dark year for many people. Um, and there are some extremely light parts of the book because we're human. We we, we need joy and, and love and laughter and fun, right? Um, and that's also been a part of this year. So um, I think people are going to walk away from it. Um, some people are not going to be happy with um with the fact that I included some some more pointed critical pieces, and then some people are going to come away with it feeling like um, I didn't put enough in it. And I'm interested in seeing um, seeing what 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 people think. Um, it's it's certainly not. I I didn't certainly try to um, try to you know. I, I, if anyone walked away from this book thinking um, I oh I'm in a I'm in a great mood about the internet now. I, I love Twitter. I mean, that's definitely not, <laughs> they, they wouldn't have read it. Um, so I'm putting together all the essays now just to give you a sense of how many of them there are. I think I have um, at least 50 or 60 of the essays done. I'm getting another batch of about 15 that I'm working on with, with new writers to, to work on this month. Um, so there could be legitimately 70 essays in this thing. So it's really what, what people take away from it. Great. And and when will when can we expect uh this to hit uh shelves or to like, what how, be, Yeah, what yeah. do you think the will it mostly be sold on the internet or will it also be available yeah, so, in brick and mortar stores or Yeah, so um the Kickstarter runs through January fifth. So anytime before that, um that's that's gonna be the prime time to get the book because they'll get the first um the first edition of it. And then um I'm also going to print or, or not print, um, sell um, some, of the, some of the books afterwards, but that probably won't happen until, um, you know, a couple of months after after I finish the Kickstarter because the Kickstarter comes first. Um, but all of the individual essays will also be published online. Um, that will happen starting in late December through the end of January. So um, folks can pick up a book or they can read an individual essay starting in in, in January and February. Great. Well, we can't wait to yeah. get our hands on one, hopefully. It, it seems like this is really like, you know, lit a fire. A lot of people um, have been like really excited to either contribute or, you know, you know, reach, you know, to contribute to the Kickstarter because, you know, they really want, you know, a, you know, a good kind of synopsis. I don't, I don't know, is that really, would you say like you think your book pretty sum, sums up 2016's internet like culture you would say um Absolutely. yeah yeah for sure and i i am a lot of it is just it's definitely not like i'm you know the editor and sort of creator of the idea and getting everyone on the train um but like it's definitely it's it's definitely um you know it wouldn't be anything without the contributors um the contributors are, are bringing all of their their talents to it so i'm i'm excited i'm really excited cool hey, we are too 
Yeah, thank you again for taking the opportunity to talk with us, and uh, we're really excited to to pick up a copy. Yes, of it Margarita, and... you're you're welcome to come to Australia to Content. We 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 record here at weather.com. So if you want to come and, and bring a copy, we'd love to <laughs> kick it with you. Um, and okay. um, yeah, yeah, and thanks again for for all your help. And again, congratulations on um, on making it above and beyond your your goal. Thanks. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Margarita. Have a good one. Bye. And that's it for so, us. So we've had a great time. I mean, I hope that everybody revisits uh, two thirty in the morning at a Seven Eleven. And uh, I yeah, mean, we love that video. Do you go to Seven Eleven at two thirty in the morning, Darian? Like, I know there's one that's near you. I do a lot of things at two thirty. I mean, I I mean, if you need like pop rocks or like, you know what I mean, like yeah, your classic, <laughs> you know, um, you want you want to mix them in with your Captain Crunch or you know whatever you know, yeah, like, they got it. So I mean, yeah, thanks. that sounds like the last thing I would get. Uh, oh, thank heaven, Seven Eleven. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so that was great. Margarita was great. Uh, it's we been hope, good. We hope to catch you on the next episode. Yes, and please please follow us. Um, our Twitter is at our content. Um, so I just want to thank again everybody for sticking sticking with the content. Yes, and, guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thanks again, guys, and uh, we'll we hope to hear you, from you soon. We'll see you next time. Peace. Oh, get hashtag get, get geeky, geeky verified. verified. We're out. <laughs>